Welcome to Behind the Mics, a show where we talk with alums from MSU Student Radio about their time in the studios and their careers after graduating. I'm your host, Tessa Kresh. For our inaugural episode, we are excited to be celebrating the 35th anniversary of Impact 89FM. Joining us for this episode is the team that put Impact on the air for the very first time on February 24th, 1989. This is Impact Radio, where you'll hear... They are Kevin Kerno, Don Pepke, Jim Tarlogis, Steve Simonson, and Scott Kunick. Probably the best way to, to think about this is that these guys, along with a few others uh, that, that weren't able to join us today, were really the tip of the spear, if you will. These guys were the ones that were leaders. They were pathfinders, uh, the, the folks that really made uh, impact happen in, in those very, very first uh, years. This is Gary A. Reed, the first general manager of Impact. I'm I'm just going to shut up and listen because uh, I'm fascinated to hear wh- <laughs> hear where your lives have gone and and what your recollections uh, of the past 35 years have been. Could you guys start off by introducing yourselves and sharing a little bit about your involvement at Impact when it first began? Sure, I'll take the lead. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my name's Kevin Kerno. Kevin was the first student general manager. I came to MSU before Impact Radio was really a thing. I was working in Detroit radio. I had a couple internships and went to Oakland University, came up to Michigan State and fell in love with what was then known as the left. Before Impact began, there was WLFT, also known as the left. But that wasn't the start of student radio at Michigan State. Student radio actually began on campus in the mid-1950s when several students used carrier current AM transmission to broadcast to their residence halls. By 1967, this system had expanded into a full network of stations. The Michigan State Radio Network consisted of uh, seven individual stations. WBRS was the first one in Brody. WKME was in Shaw. WEAK was in Wonders. WFEE was in Fee Hall. WMSN was in uh, Student Services Building. WTVR was in uh, the union building with the television radio department. And we broadcast then on what is called a carrier current or current carrier. People say it both ways. The carrier current stations used a 100-watt amplifier to send signals through the electrical wires in dorm buildings. Listeners tuned in using transistor or clock radios plugged into outlets. Basically, it was broadcasting through the building's infrastructure rather than the airwaves. And this crew, we all kind of worked together under that operation. What was formerly known as WMSN moved from the Student Services Building to the auditorium and became WLFT. The left was the auditorium central with the two studios on the opposite sides of the campus and covering the campus from inside the buildings on the wires, I think is how the system worked. So you had to plug in a clock radio to hear the station. So that's what my first memories were. Awesome um, dusty rooms. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately uh, the opportunity came up to launch 
the impact. And that's like a whole nother story. Don't worry. We'll get back to that. I was going to dovetail on that. And uh, that's my story, actually. I, I knew Kevin. We were both in high school in Utica together. This is Steve Simonson, the first production director. He was also the first person to receive a Michigan Association of Broadcasters Award through Impact. And uh, when he came up to Michigan State, I was already here kind of for the second time around. I ended up with a split college career. I came up when I graduated and was a music major, studying music and performance and all that type of stuff. And then the money ran out and I moved back home and worked in factories, put up cable TV, climbing telephone pole, telephone poles, remodeling kitchens, stamping metal, doing whatever I had to do to make a living and played in a couple of rock bands. And when a buddy in the factory got a couple fingers chopped off, I said, you know, this is probably a good time to go back to school. And I came back up in the fall of 84, and I think Kevin arrived a year or so after that. He uh, popped into me one day. I, we, I don't know how we hooked up. You know, hey, who's in town type of a thing? And said, I work at this radio station. What do you think, man? I could use somebody who knows music a little bit. I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds like fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, surprise, <laughs> surprise. My memory is that you were serving me a drink. Maybe at Olga's. It's very, very possible. <laughs> I Kevin not only brought on Steve but also Jim Tarlogis, the first station manager. I moved uh, to Lansing. My grandmother had unfortunately had a stroke and I moved into her house and tried to help her out a little bit. And I was going to Lansing Community College and one of uh, her aides uh, actually <laughs> one day said, hey, we need somebody to play softball. They needed a substitute. So I went to the softball game and there was Kevin Kernow playing first base, I think. And uh, <laughs> he was talking about the fact that he worked at the campus radio station and I was into rock and roll. And I was, I told him, I go, Hey, I'm going to end up at Michigan state. Uh, would it be possible to come by? A year or two later, after Jim was done at LCC, he came back and was put on the air. That was kind of the start. Ended up doing promotions because I was into it. And actually shortly thereafter, when I got involved in promotions, I was in the van with uh, the Steve, who I didn't know at that point, and we were driving around campus throwing frisbees at people. And there's Dawn Pepke, someone who balanced the several male egos, as Gary would describe it. I had no designs on doing that in radio until I think I, I probably saw like a flyer or something in the dorms and went to a meeting. I went to some like little student meeting or something about the station. And then I started doing news and I don't really remember being on the air a lot on LFT because I think it was right when DBM was starting. Within the first year of the station being on the air, she became a DJ. I kind of had every job at the station. Um, I started in traffic and my parents um, did not understand what I was doing, like what <laughs> we were doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. They were like, what? What is that you're doing? And, but they loved WKRP in Cincinnati. Loved it. We watched that as a family. And so I, that's how I would explain what I did at the station. I'm like, I'm Bailey Quarters. This is, I'm the traffic. <laughs> and Donna's still working in radio. Working at the station just exposed me to this community building sort of way of living. And I've been able to carry that through to my current job. Then there's Scott Kunith, someone who also stayed in broadcasting post-grad. 
He was the first program director. I went to Michigan State in uh, 1986. I don't know if I saw a flyer or something like that about, you know, joining the radio station. I was really into music, you know, alternative and stuff like that. So we you had one of those dusty studios and I think it was in the Brody Complex where the where the cafeteria was. And that's where I met Kevin. And he's like, this is how you do it. These are the albums. And I think that was for like two or three months. And then that's really when the talk of the FM started happening. And we heard that we had the FM license coming our way and we started building a radio station. It was absolutely fantastic. In 1978, after years of discussion about expanding the network to include FM broadcasting, an application was submitted to the FCC for an official license. For a variety of reasons, this license application was met with delay after another. By the summer of 1987, however, the FCC had issued a construction permit. And I think if we didn't act upon it, wasn't the license going to expire in like a year or two? For 18 months, the team worked together to get this station in good shape to put on the air. We'd all always convene at like, well, Kevin, you had the place in what? Cedar Village, right? Yep. Yeah, we'd always convene there to talk about different ideas and you know, I, that's probably why I graduated with a 2.0, right? <laughs> <laughs> we spent, I mean, 40, 50 hours a week at the station. Just totally. What do we have to do? Building it and talking with the Jacob brothers and ordering CDs and just like, I mean, right. it was a perfect storm of these people being at one place at one time. And on February 24th, 1989, exactly 35 years ago, they went live broadcasting to everyone in the area. A breath of fresh air in East Lansing, WDBM. Offering music from all around the world and around the corner. WDBM will not play commercials, none at all, ever. We're not afraid to take the lead to bring you new music first. WDBM, making an impact. We'll be keyed into the students, the campus, and the community. WDBM, keeping you informed more often than anyone else can and never interrupting you with a commercial message. WDBM, bringing you information with an impact. We, the students of Michigan State University, pledge to work and maintain a new standard of professionalism and commitment to bring this area a new progressive radio outlet. But that doesn't mean we won't take chances. Of course we're gonna take chances. Chances are our business. We've got to, no one else will dare. And we'll provide tons of East Lansing and campus information. And we'll play local music. And I say, we're not gonna play any commercials. hour of being on air was very special. It was the start of what is now Impact 89 FM. It was probably kind of unreal to all of us because we had been working on it for so long and we'd even taken the driving around the different parts of the community to see where the signal was straw, where it could be heard, like all these different things. And it was pretty much a secret to the people, like, well, not necessarily a secret, but it was unknown to the people who were not involved. So for that night, it was sort of, um, it was, yeah, we got tuxedos, you know, dress- oh, it was a big oh, deal. We had it, right. our parents came up in the hallways. And I- we took it very seriously. You know, it was a really, really big deal. 
for us. Do you guys remember the buildup of it too? In anticipation of the big day, they had taken out ads in the state news saying nine days to WDBM, we're doing better music, eight days, seven days, and so on. And only one person at the state news knew what it was about. And right. it came down to the final day. And then all of a sudden there was a, I think on the front page, there was an article about impact radio, but everybody was walking around campus going, what is, what's going to happen? All of mm -hmm. a sudden, student radio just exploded on the scene. Nobody knew who we were. And then all of a sudden we were there. We made, we did make a bit of a, a hole in this town, I think, when we came on the air, I gotta say. And the other thing that we did was it didn't just flip from WLFT to WDBM. We still kept that whole structure of that campus thing going. So the train, the WLFT kind of became the training ground. So yeah. You had production going on for two different radio stations, really, and two different, like, old network of things going on. So it was really, I don't know, hundreds of students were in there taking part. So, you know, it was, a, it was a quite an adventure. Yeah, I remember going from the time when you're just in a room looking at nobody. Nobody's calling on the phone. What, what are you doing? Is anybody listening? You know, that type of a thing, because there's zero feedback. And then we're mm -hmm. on the air. And the phone does not stop ringing. People are on us all the time. Mm -hmm. You go out and the, you go out, and people come to see you. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. Really, quite amazing. You guys remember pretty soon how how close we were to being called the front? WDBM wasn't always going to be Impact. Could you tell me about how the name Impact came about and the branding for it? We, we were in the office, weren't we? Well. We were or at maybe Magnolia. the foster home, Steve. The foster, foster home. We were at Magnolia. I don't believe it was Magnolia. There you go. Magnolia. <laughs> South Magnolia. The house still stands. It's a wonderful place. And we were sitting around. There might have been a, we were all over 21. So there might have been a Stroh's beer involved. But we were talking about what we want to do and how can we make this happen? And what are we going to call it? And all these other sort of, I don't want to say high concept stuff, but we were trying to hash it out and, and, and really pin it down. And we kept coming back that we want to make an impact. We really want to do something in this community. We want to make we something happen. Many times before it finally, like, oh. I think, well, my roommate, who was the bass player in the band I formed mm. later on, Flush Button, actually came down the stairs at one point and said, Shameless Why don't you guys plug. just call it Impact, Impact Radio or something? And went back upstairs and we all looked at each other like, Oh, yeah. Whoa, straight out of a sitcom. You say we went with that impact, like the impression on a shipping like carton, kind of, to be that. Yeah, didn't we get one and we kind of like cut it out so it wouldn't be perfect? It had the little it, yep. one corner wasn't always there and boom. Yep. And we also pushed hard to be impact radio and not the impact. One of the things about uh, WLFT and, and the beginnings of impact radio, it, it wasn't just us guys. There was a lot of people that had a lot of passion for different things. There was people that had a passion for news. They had a passion for sports, passion for music. Um, and, and, and we just kind of had an overall passion for radio as a whole. And that's why it was kind of cool that we were there at that time, because we, we did help guide it along with Gary. Gary, don't sell yourself short. You were huge and very instrumental in everything that we did. But Gary wasn't actually supposed to be the general manager. It was a complete accident because remember, um, we, uh, in order to get the license that, uh, you know, Kevin was talking about, the board of trustees here said, we have to have a, a permanent professional manager, i.e., you know, somebody to fire when it goes wrong. Everybody thought it was going to go wrong. And so we uh, uh, interviewed a guy um, 
who will remain nameless, but uh, he played both ends against the middle. And, uh, you know, we were like within, uh, I think, six weeks of going on the air, and he refused to give his uh, social security number to finish the hiring process. And that's when Moses Turner, Dr. Turner said to me, uh, Gary, we can't put this on without somebody. So, you know, that was, that was it for 25 years. The fact that I wasn't full-time, I think turned out to be the great sort of uh, impetus. Because if I would have been full-time, you know, then it would have been my station hiring you guys. But the mindset was different. It's just like, I'm here to help you guys do what you want to do. My job is to keep you out of trouble. Radio station, on vacation. Wonder where Rod was, damn, be patient. Coming to the rescue, people won't let you forget about my DJ. And my when you think back to 1989, when Impact first came on the air, what song comes to mind? Um, well, um, the one I love which is on that document album, the R.E.M. album. This one goes out to the one I love. This one goes out when I heard that song, I was just like, this song is so great. You know, it's still to this day, and I think we played it the first day, what was that band? They were from Ohio, and their songs were like 13 minutes tall. Slavery under government. The toll. That is still. Jonathan Toledo. Jonathan Toledo. There you go. That's like the certain things. And the things that I think about was going to New York City for CMJ College Music Journal with the shows and like seeing like Jane's Addiction somewhere and they were just like coming out I mean that's whenever I hear it nothing's shocking like, yes when everything for that year so when the music comes out it's like I know exactly where I was Has a white man gone? the song that might have been played the most that first year I think had to be Jane Says by Jane's Addiction And it was played within the first hour of being live. The listeners that would call, and it was like, you know, I did the heavy metal hours of power. And it's like, you had all these metal heads that were like, called every week and we sponsored a show. And <laughs> right. there was a club in Lansing called the Stardust. And here I am, this like nerdy kid. I'm like a star there. <laughs> oh my God, you interviewed the Timbuktu and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you like my polo shirt? <laughs> Impact has not only been impactful to Michigan State, but it has also impacted their lives both personally and professionally. Since, since I left there, my I've, m- number of people tell me about their fraternity or their sorority experience or maybe an intramural team they were on in college, all these different things. And I, looking back on it, the impact, the radio station was that to us. It was like a social setting where we were able to pursue something that we were passionate about. We got a lot of like-minded people around us. Like I say, it was very social and all that too, but there was this, there was this passionate commitment. I think that we all had 
everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's still there for sure. You can hear it on the air that uh, we wanted to make it happen. Yeah, the friends that I made there, I still, we've, we've stayed friends. We see each other at least once a year, sometimes more. Yeah, it was, you know, the best years of my life. Honestly, I, I also I, cherish those days. Those were some of the best days. And I uh, look back on them with great, with great joy. Little did I know going to a little student meeting about a radio station was going to have the, you know, the impact, no pun intended, that it did. Impact inspired future careers and even brought people together, such as Impact's first power couple, Kevin and Laura, who's also known as LV. The, the thing you guys... I'll need to recognize about LV is that you've heard about passion, you've heard about uh, music and energy. LV came in and said, yeah, yeah, that's fine, guys, but, uh, you know, I'm interested in the business part. You know, we got to make this work. And so, uh, with her almost perfect penmanship uh, in graph paper, figuring out uh, this is well before computers. We didn't even have any concept of a computer at the time. Uh, LV figured out how to do uh, all of the bookkeeping for the station, figured out how to get people paid, uh, equipment purchased, et cetera, uh, through the MSU system. And so, uh, I would say... uh, uh, when we're talking about unsung her- heroes, uh, LV certainly is that. Do they still call you LV? They don't. I have a couple of old friends who do, but no, they know me as as goddess of accounting. So. <laughs> <laughs> The start of Impact wasn't so easy, though. Don Kemp came to me as you know as I was working away one evening and was like, hey, I need you to come to a meeting. And I'm pretty sure that meeting that the university was looking for justification on the license. So Don said some things and then he asked me to kind of talk about, and I I honestly don't remember what I said, but it seems to me there was possibility. The license had been denied numerous years because of a television station in the area thought it would affect their signal. New engineer got hired there television station took away its complaint and all of a sudden that's what released our i think that's what released our license and then the university was kind of like is this something we could sell to someone is this something we can make money off of i i think and uh don and i were at that meeting and sort of said hey this is something with great value that we should keep for the university and for the students so that was one of the first things that we encountered was just to get the university to buy in and get into the idea of the students, you know, because WKAR was already the radio station there. You know, they were kind of like, do we need another one? The backstory to that too, Kevin, was um, our counterpart station at U of M had been recently um, chastised for lack of control. And so there were a couple of our uh, MSU trustees that said, it sounds like a flashpoint uh, we don't want we don't want to be in that business. Do you guys happen to remember what happened to a good deal of our playlist about a week before we went on air? Well, I don't know. No, it's that's not ringing a bell. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, maybe it's a good thing that you don't remember, and maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say. But uh, one of our uh, perhaps less dedicated staffers had found uh, a stack of CDs yep. that you guys that. had had planned and turn you know, tables, on putting in, in, in rotation. 
And I got a call from uh, Dick Rosemont uh, at uh, <laughs> Flat Black and Circular. Oh, saying, stole them, right? Yes. There you go, Scott. Um, saying, you know. Uh, Spoiler yeah, alert. I, I don't know, uh, but this doesn't seem like anything. And uh, so literally I had to go over there and buy them back. Since then, there has been a lot of changes. Music is easier to obtain, we can now edit digitally, and we also have automation, so we don't need someone in the station all the time. There is a live warm mm -hmm. body in that station 24 mm -hmm. hours a day, right. seven yeah. days a week, every day of the year, Christmas, Memorial Day, every day, you know, right. and we never mm -hmm. let that thing go dark. The way you make radio now is very different than the way we made it before, and I'm yeah. so grateful that I was able to do it that way. It informs what I do now, for sure. And I think it probably makes me better at what I do now because I've had that. I had that whole experience. This station has evolved so much. Could you have imagined that it would be where it is today? Honestly, I didn't think about it. You know, I enjoyed all my time there. I lived in the moment. I live it. I do it now. I live in the moment as much as I can. I have a high appreciation for the things I've been able to do and be a part of. I didn't envision being a nationally recognized, award-winning, like all the achievement mm -hmm. that's happened. I was sort of of the mind of, this is not here right now. We can create it and then it will exist. <laughs> so I didn't really right. try. Well, Thousands of students will come through here and work on this. I kind of wish I would have had that grasp. But at the time, it was sort of like, let's carve this bad thing out and then Let's move on and let's let other people take it to the next level. Like people drawing like people. I mean, that passion's been there through it every year and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't be what it is today without the same type of mental attitude. I mean, our biggest my biggest thought was like, how do we get through today and how do we get it on the air? And right. Yep. So my God, it sounds good and boy, I wish I had vision when I was twenty, you know. You know, it it is neat to have created something collectively that not only still exists, but is getting better every day. And so while it may not be radio the way we know it, uh, it's it's one of the most viable, uh, I think probably most productive uh, student organizations on campus. You, what you really have taken off, in my opinion, you were listening to it here, I'm, I'm fortunate I'm still in Lansing, so I can tune you in here and there, is the, the sports coverage you guys do. That's just amazing now. You know, we yeah. really wanted to do that. We just did not have the, I think they came up, the technology, I think, was a little beyond us at that time, too, dedicated phone lines and all this type of stuff. So we, we had people covering it as reporters, but we didn't have much in the way of like a play-by-play -play broadcast presence. I remember Jim and I, one time when we were not able to do the play-by-play -play stuff, we even kicked around maybe doing like watching the games on TV and doing, having the students do the play-by-play -play <laughs> of the TV, you know, off the TV. <laughs> yeah. And then when the COVID action all happened, I'm pretty sure that a lot of broadcasters were actually doing that thing. So it's, we were so yeah. far ahead. Yeah. We were so far ahead. <laughs> right. As pioneers of the college radio scene at MSU, what advice would you give to current students pursuing a career in radio or just wanting to join college radio? Don't graduate. Don't ever graduate. Stay as long <laughs> as you possibly can. Yeah, do something for the passion. I got into it because my passion was music. And totally. that'll lead to yeah. something else. So you get whatever you do, passion has to be involved. If not, 
Life sucks. When I talk to, whether it's a student or it's someone who's trying to break into Major League Baseball, I tell people you got to get your hands dirty. You got to get in there, do as many different jobs as you can, and then become indispensable at at least one of them. So that's what Impact Radio allows the students to do. They can jump in there and they can try, try, try again until they either find a good fit or something that other people are like, thank goodness you came along to do that. My advice would be to just enjoy it. Don't worry about the small things. Try new stuff. Like if you think you want to be a DJ, but you think you might suck at it, try it anyway. You're fearless when you're young, you know? You're fearless and you need to take advantage of that because when you get older, like us, <laughs> when you get older, um, you don't take as many chances because you sometimes you can't, you know? But when you're younger, uh, you can. And so that would just be my advice to just do everything. Radio is always going to be there. It's just how you define yourself within the function of the station. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's always, it serves such a local purpose. It really does. Right. And that's, I think it's also part of the key is that, again, it's, it's got to, we got to bring the people in. This business is run by those who show up and do it. And you're, you're never going to be perfect. It's never going to go right. You're going to set stuff up. It's going to fall apart. And how do you persevere through those problems? How do you make it happen? This is show business, man. You know, it's got to go on. Make it go. And if you get people who, did, who are attracted to that, you get them hooked and we never go away. When you're part of a team and everyone's pulling in the same direction, everyone believes in it, that is when miracles happen. Don't be afraid to give up a little bit of yourself because you have to believe. So you have to be willing to put that in there. And that is where the great things happen. We are a team. We're a crew. There's no small actors or small roles. It's all got to be done. It's everybody doing a tiny little bit. You don't have to be a star. You just do a tiny little bit. And that, it adds up. That's magic. We, we have to recognize um, Dr. Moses Turner, the vice president that, that actually believed in us. Dr. Betty Delden, uh, whom we all worked with uh, on the radio board, Joy Tuba, Don Kemp uh, uh, from an engineering standpoint. These guys uh, were, were really where we needed to be. Listening to Behind the Mics, a podcast series about the people involved with campus radio at Michigan State University. Our thanks to the original team of the student staff members who talked with us for this episode. This includes Kevin Kerno, Laura Velasco Kerno, Don Pepke, Jim Tarlogis, Steve Simonson, and Scott Kunit. And a special thanks to the founding general manager, Gary Reed, for bringing the group together and adding his insight. Find us online at BehindTheMics.com and check out the work being produced by the current staff at Impact89FM.org. I'm Tessa Crush, and this has been a production of Impact 89FM.